Football is around the corner, and we are ramping it up over here on the Ringer NFL feed in the month of August. Every week, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you not one, but two extra point takens. That's right. Double the trouble as we predict, debate, and analyze our way through camp and the preseason every Monday and Friday. But that is not all. Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Wednesday. We'll talk about everything in the world of the NFL. And who knows? Maybe Steven will even have something nice to say about your favorite squad. Though, frankly, I wouldn't count on it. Subscribe to The Ringer NFL Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow The Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Ringer NFL. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to the Heels Season 2, Episode 3, Discord. It's the name of the episode. Review podcast. My name's David Shoemaker, aka the Mask Man. I'm joined here with my tag team partner, Ben Lindbergh. How you doing, Ben? Like Wild Bill, my goal today is to use the truth to offend as many people as I can. That's ju- that's the <laughs> motto of the podcast. Yeah. We're also joined here by our producer Jesse Lopez, who was caught up finally. He's watched all of season one, all of and 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 see episodes one and two of season two. Jesse, I think there's no better way to start off this yes. episode than to tell us what you think the storyline is for Ace moving forward. So (laughs) after watching the second episode, in my head, I was like, okay, I think Ace is just going to be on his own own little world the rest of the season. He's going to take season two and find himself, find what his actual real gimmick is other than Ace in the ring. And he's going to come at the end of the season, whether that be at the State Fair again or a different venue that they, you know, got. And he's going to come in at the end of the show and basically take the title, very similar to how Crystal took it at the end of season one. It's going to be a big surprise, something that's not in the script. And Ace is going to show up, surprise everyone, and just finally be, you know what? I'm doing this for myself. I don't care what Jack says. I don't care what Crystal says, anything. That I'm just going to go and do this for myself because it's something that I know I deserve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would love to tell you that you nailed that prediction <laughs> Jesse I have to say when when I when I finished episode 2 when we were recording last week I was worried that they would leave Ace away for too long I was worried that your prediction would be right I think that might have I, I, my real worry should have been that they brought him back too soon because but a bing but a boom <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening to this is yeah. in episode 3 except for poor Jesse over here uh, Ace is fine Ace is <laughs> Well, that's a really like Ace. It turns out Ace literally sprained his ankle. He got airlifted uh, or you know repelled out of the the ravine that he was in. 
And he seems to be doing just fine. So uh, we have nothing to worry about with Ace. He like, hold up in a hotel room for a minute. And then um, and then by, well, I guess but there's no reason to say spoiler alert. By the end of episode three, Ace is back home. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, I think that the big, for me, the biggest question uh, of the episode really was that. Did, did, they, did that turn come too soon? Did it seem like, I mean, there's a very professional wrestling aspect to this where it's like Ace just took a giant bump off the top of the steel cage. <laughs> And then, you know, he seemed really hurt. And at the end of the match, he's uh, he's fine. He's, he's he's good enough to raise the, the 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 victor's arm in the air. You know, like he's not he's not that hurt anymore. Did you were you worried that he come back too quickly? Yeah, it surprised me, too. My prediction probably would have been pretty similar to Jesse's before I actually watched this episode as life changing vision quests go. That was a, a pretty rapid one for Ace in this episode. Uh-huh. At the end of last week, I mean, Ace was stranded on a rocky outcrop in the wilderness and possibly seriously injured. Jack and Stacy were separated, right? Jack was uh, wilding out, uh, spiraling. And here at the end of episode three, all back under the same roof again, one big happy spade family. Now, is it going to stay that way? Most likely not. We've got to create conflict and drama here somehow, but... I was quite surprised that they were seemingly setting this up to be a, a season-long storyline. And here they are. The gang's back together again. Yeah, I mean, this was this was a this was a setup episode, right? I mean, and they did a good mm-hmm. job of really dragging us back in for the first two episodes of the season and reminding us why we were there and everything that mattered. This was more this 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 setup in wrestling terms, you know, this was this was the build to the to not even to the main event. This was the build to the build to the build. Right. Mm-hmm. This is just setting laying the groundwork for a lot of stuff. There was no entering action. And in no, yeah, it was not an action packed episode in terms of physical action. It was a very eventful episode in terms of character catharsis and relationships. Right. And somewhat abrupt, one could argue a lot of conflicts were at least temporarily resolved here that I think, yeah, like Jesse, I think probably most people thought we were going to have to wait a while for them to hug it out or at least shake hands. Yeah, and it also opened. The, I mean, I, I guess that that begs the question, right? Or that begs the question of what the question is. What what, what is this season going to be about if it's right. not just about the things that we were just talking about? I will say that they did a good job as well in the first two episodes teeing up because I mentioned it last week, just how well written the episodes were and how that sort of helps when you have long conversations in parking lots or whatever. It certainly helped the the overall kind of tenor of this episode because you knew even without the entering action that there was. That, you know, that these conversations would be meaningful line by line as well as substantively. Right. I mean, it was it was it was really well done. We can run through the plot a little bit. And it's actually in broad strokes. Not a lot happened. You know, Ace is down at the bottom of the ravine. Ace gets saved. Uh, Ace, you know, stuck in a hotel room, sees the air of his ways. Um, in very in, through various hijinks. <laughs> yes. Jack is mean is, is spends most of the episode on the road looking for Ace, but he. Uh, while he's gone, leaves Willie in charge. Willie, along with Crystal and Wild Bill, uh, does uh, kind of takes over creative and finds uh, a passion and a knack for doing that. Find, has comes across comes past some really good ideas uh, as she sort of wrestles, pun very much intended, for everybody's attention and for the meaningful control that she has been granted um, by Jack. Yeah. Turns out there's a whole wealth of writing talent at the DWL that has just been boxed yeah. out by Jack all this well, time. When he's welcome away. to the world of pro wrestling. Yeah, no, I, mean, <laughs> right. I think everybody's got good ideas, and it'll be interesting to see how he sort of manages 
that mm-hmm. side of it coming back. Everybody yeah. thinks they everybody thinks they have great. So also he's Diego, got a writer's room now. Yeah. yeah. Diego and Wild Bill started a podcast uh, yep. on on which uh, much drama has turned, including <laughs> Gully, their arch nemesis, deciding that he's uh, fed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or, you know, he's been his his uh, his integrity has been impugned enough that he has to strike back. But he ends up striking back in, in uh, under the guise of asking for a cross promotional match um, between his company and the spade promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Jack, it, this is at the very end of the episode. Jack says nay and and, and instead decides to file a lawsuit against Jack and. Well, is there anything else? Is there anything else that really happened plot-wise? And then, of course, Jack finally, prior to that, fi- finds Ace, begs him to come back. They have a very intense and meaningful conversation. Uh, and then and and then Ace says, I'm not coming back. But then at the end of the episode, uh, he does come back. Is that is that everything? And also Stacy comes back and also brings, back. brings Thomas, right? So yeah. everything resolved seemingly. Again, mm-hmm. we'll see how long that lasts because usually some discord in the Spade family and their temporary peace here. It may not prove permanent, but this was pretty significant for all of this to happen. Suddenly, seemingly, they've been going through it for a while, but for us just watching for this to be resolved, again, yes, semi-surprising, not unwelcome because, again, like you, I could have imagined the scenario where they strung that out all season and in aces wandering in the wilderness, if not literally then figuratively and he's sort of separate from the dwl storyline and maybe that doesn't gel so well so not unhappy to have him back in the fold it's just that as you said there seemed to be a big build toward where's he going what is he going to realize what is he finding what's he going to do with king spade's crown out there in the wilderness is there something he is looking for in particular when his mom says attaboy ace Where does she think he's going? What does she think he's doing, right? So the fact that they did resolve this so quickly, seemingly, suggests that they have bigger plans for the rest of the season, right? We may not be able to anticipate exactly what those plans are other than this collaboration under duress between the DWL and the FWD, but you don't sort of... uh, neatly snip off this storyline unless you have more runway with uh, other plot points you're excited about. There's a lot of snipping in this episode or, uh, you know, chairs over the head. However, whichever (laughs) metaphor you want to draw, Jack's mom, who is, you know, sort of we were sort of winking at her as being a uh, as being a player, maybe a nefarious player, uh, at least based on her backstory up in the first two episodes of the season is now like a fully a fully a heel. Yes. Um, uh, And Jack called her out as such. Um, Yes. Uh, there, you know, we had sort of theorized, I'm sure a lot of people had that Ace might have a future with Florida wrestling dystopia, the rival promotion. Well, Rooster took that spot, uh, and is now, you know, the, the sort of go between, uh, you know, the turncoat that is, that is lighting fires. I don't really know that he was necessary, you know, judging by previous episodes, I don't know he was necessary to, to draw, you know, Charlie Gully's attention to the podcast or anything else, but that's no. his role <laughs> now. Right. Yeah. It seemed like Gully was using him last season, right? Just as a way to get Jack's goad or as a a conduit to Ace. Now it seems like he's taken a more prominent position. He's making enough to buy a bed every day. So that's progress for him. Mm -hmm. But he bought his out of bed, which is a nice, (laughs) was a nice gesture on his part. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it, 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 there was a lot of sort of fast forward buttoning. Um, and there is, but you know, but also like you said, potential setup for what's to come. 
overall, before we get to the awards, and we can just jump right in because maybe that's a that's a space for for a deeper conversation. Is there anything big picture that really struck you about this episode? I think that, yeah, we'll get to that probably in, in the main event when I have some thoughts on the heart to heart that we had here. But yeah, just the surprise when it comes to the shape of the season, I think just going a little bit differently than I had thought, you know, it didn't really advance the wrestling storyline so much, except in the sense that Ace presumably can be back in the ring if he wants to be, although I guess they have the sprained ankle as an excuse to keep him out of the action for a little while if they want him to stay on the sidelines here. But mm-hmm. this was really a family episode. Obviously, the, the DWO is a family business, but this was the out-of-the-ring family business being taken care of. And granted, it was overdue <laughs> for the Spade brothers to figure their shit out here, and we'll see if it sticks. But yeah, this was uh, certainly an acceleration in the timeline after the premiere episode, which was a rewind, right? A flashback mm-hmm. episode. So that sort of seemed to be spinning the wheels when it came to advancing the plot line in the present. And then here we made up for lost time, seemingly, and, and leaped ahead a little. Before we get into the awards, because I'm not sure if we'll hit on this there. When Jack makes his return, he talks to Willie in the office. She mentions the storylines that she's been writing which feature Crystal taking on the dad, which is a wrestling, a wrestler whose gimmick is being a dad. And he's sort yes. of the Wild Bill surrogate, right? He is the, the man of a certain age who is determined to keep Crystal down. They're, they're, they're keeping Crystal and, and Wild Bill apart, you know, for the, just to, to, to draw out the tension. Uh, but Jack says, uh, I don't want to talk about Crystal right now. I'm, I've been rethinking a lot of things. How deep, I mean, how, how much should we read into that statement? Could just be that his mind is elsewhere. He's uh, thinking about his relationship with Ace and his dad and his mom. A lot of stuff kind of coming to the surface here that's been percolating that maybe he's been repressing. So it may just be a I'm not in the mood to talk about the script right now. But it could also be that he's rethinking things in the sense that Ace is back in the picture. Right. So he was leaving the door open for him last week, right up until the moment the match started. Hey, if you get here, if you get this message, just slip in the side and you can walk right in. We'll uh, guide you through this. So obviously Ace is uh, presumably going to want to be back in the mix soon enough. And maybe that does change the shape of the storyline. I don't know that there's any reason to take Crystal out of the running for things, although obviously there was this storyline with the pro-athlete domestic abuse that's going on here, right, right? where that kind of comes up just as we're about to get a man-on-woman match, which throws a wrench into Willie's script, forces them to toss out the plan to have uh, Crystal be part of that fight. You know, you asked me about that last week, about the history of intergender matches, and that was a thing that I actually didn't bring up that I I should have, which is that, obviously, the specter of domestic abuse or man-on-woman violence, um, but especially in the pro sports milieu, uh, it it, it does have an impact on that. Right. Um, And this really, I mean, they brought that into the storyline. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be tough to keep telling those stories, or at least they're worried about the image that they would portray by continuing those kind of that kind of storytelling um, in, you know, the world that we live in, which is right. totally a real thing. Which prompts Willie then to say, hey, we need a women's division, which mm-hmm. we knew was coming from watching the trailer, but sounds like it's coming soon. And Jack, who usually kind of digs his heels in a little bit when it comes to other people pushing what they want to happen in the DWL, 
he just acquiesces immediately. Again, maybe was just not in the right frame of mind to be going over the nitty gritty of DWL storylines, but he just says, sure, basically, you know, he's uh, almost abdicated some of his ownership and oversight of what's happening here. And maybe he recognizes that it's a good idea. Yeah, but it does sort of mirror and um, I won't take too long on this, I swear. It does sort of mirror what would be happening in real life in that promotion in terms of or the storytelling in the show mirrors what happens in real life, which is that you suddenly just it's, it's easy enough to say, yes, new division. But then suddenly you're employing a lot more people. There's a lot more talent to keep track of. Uh, and also, do people care as much about this new layout as they did the one before? Uh, when, when Crystal's a novelty, are they going to care about her as much as the, the, you know, the the standard bearer of her own separate division within the company? And will that draw excitement away from the men's division too? You know, I mean, there's it's going to be tough, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they play that out in the show because the show will be subject to a lot of those same reactions uh even though you know it's telling the story uh one more thing before we get into the awards the show uh opens with a flashback or was it does it open very early on the show there is a it is it does open the flashback to the to jack's childhood where he's um punished for stealing a piece of cake Mm -hmm. which I know they sort of it, on the second watch, it made it clear that they that he actually did take the piece of cake. I sort of whiffed on that the first time through. He said, mm-hmm. you, see, you told me I could have one. Right. But man, what a <laughs> what a weird move by this kid just to take like the big, most clear piece of cake out of the cake when <laughs> so the mom just made a cake. You're taking his mom's side in the dispute. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I know they have to like portray it a certain way, I guess. Visually, yeah. it had to be compelling. Mm hmm. But even yeah. if he was, even if you'd been allowed to take the piece of cake, maybe just don't take the big chunk top <laughs> piece of cake. It was going to be the thing that everybody sees when they walk. Anyway, I'm I'm I'm, go, I'm overreacting. <laughs> Jack takes a piece of cake. His mom whoops him for taking yes. the cake. Mm-hmm. Just as as icing, metaphorical icing on the cake says, "You became a better person today after yeah. whooping him with his with the, with uh, his dad's belt." Yep. Thanks, mom. <laughs> right. So that was the whole thing, and that actually obviously played into Jack's interaction with his mom in the episode. And then I'm just uh, nodding this up with at the end of the episode, Ace has an incredibly weird sort of dream mm-hmm. vision. Why don't you describe that one as best you can, and tell me how much we should, and tell me what 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 we should do with both of those things. Right. So Ace is in his motel room. He's lying in bed, immobilized with his sprained ankle, and Crystal's there. Which immediately you you sort of get a sense of oh, what's happening here. We're we're in a dream, probably because last we heard they weren't in touch, and Crystal was going out with Bobby. So immediately your your senses are cued. Something's going on here, and then. Crystal, after making nice to him, brutally twists the ankle, snaps it, says it's payback for Bobby. Bobby storms in the door, right, with his injured leg and uh, starts to prepare to beat on Ace. And then King Spade himself, Zombie Spade, comes out of the bathroom holding White his zombie. jaw together, right, and and uh, giving some advice to Ace through his uh, muffled, ruined mouth. So... Clearly, a, a lot of haunting going on here. A lot of uh, lot of memories, a lot of uh, psychological scars in this family, right? Perhaps some physical scars, too. I mean, the line that Jack says to their mom, this is dad's belt and I wear it sometimes to remind me not to be you. 
ouch, that's a, a scathing line deserved. But we thought that the dad was kind of the bad guy and he's not a great guy. You know, when he sees uh, Carol whooping him, he's like, come on, Carol, you know, Eddie's almost here. It's not like he steps in to stop her. Right. So they're getting it from from both sides here, but they're obviously both damaged in some ways by their upbringing and more immediately, of course, by Tom Spade's decision to take his own life, which we know has been bothering Ace. But Jack here, maybe for the first time so explicitly, acknowledges that this has been weighing on him, too, even though he's been trying to to be stoic about it. Yeah, there was a crazy zombie dream. And (laughs) Jack's description of his mindset in the scene preceding that was actually more, more haunting. I think yeah. uh, it was, well, we'll talk about that some, I'm sure, but one of the most sort of just heartbreaking monologues yeah. of the show. Well, I don't know, let's just get into it. And if there's anything that we missed, then uh, then then we'll get back to it later on. Uh, World champ, who's the, who's the MVP of this episode of Heels? I think I've got to give the belt to Jack here. My wife and I make fun of how Jack shouts everything like he's constantly cutting a promo like he -hmm. he leaves deafening voicemails right but here he was using his quiet voice he was showing some some real emotion not that he doesn't typically show emotion but actually breaking up right actually having a, a catch in his voice if not actual tears because this is sort of an exorcism he's confessing everything he's bringing everything that's been unsaid out into the surface, forcing him to do it. You can see he has to sort of wind his way up to it and come at it obliquely and actually force himself to apologize for everything that he wants to get off his chest and finally does. And I think it's pretty freeing for him, but definitely more of an emotional range here or more of a a poignant side to him, not just the angry side, just the ranting side, the trying to bury everything under the surface. Here, it's being dredged up. And I thought Amel did a good job of depicting that. I think so, too. I think it would go the same place. I had the same feeling that I did in the last episode about Willie, where I'm just like, she's going to get 5% more every episode. And at some point, mm-hmm. we're going to look back and say that we missed her title match. You know, we, mm-hmm. missed, we, we missed her main event. But yeah, I think that if I have uh, a hang up about this episode, it's not just that the the fast forward button was used a lot, but the fast forward button in particular was used with with uh, the sort of t- passage of time. The first two episodes of the show were what thirty six hours or something like that, you know. And this episode might have also been like twenty four hours, but had a lot of the gestures of being much longer, right? Let me Jack mm-hmm. went through the effort to put someone else in charge while he disappeared. Theoretically. Uh, he knew already where he was going at the time right. that he did that, you know, so I don't know. I mean, am I, correct me if I'm wrong, man, how much time probably passed in this episode. But Jack traveled a great distance, e- either literally or metaphorically, over the course of this episode. Went to Mississippi, I guess, to find his brother. And uh, and you're right. I mean, he had he had the, such a range in the performance. Used, you're right, use quiet voice a lot. Um, <laughs> but especially coming down from the first, I mean, he did use promo voice with his mom. You know, yes. when he walked in that room. There's definitely times where I see, you think, you know, someone putting on the accent, you know, some some people, some people can, you know, uh, can hold the tune better if they're singing really loud, you know? Right. And that's sort of why you you wonder, you wonder if that's part of the calculus. But it, but it is, he's, he's, 
he does yell. He does cut promos a lot. And <laughs> and it but it's an interesting tool because like with his mom, um, maybe it's justifiable. But yeah, I, I I totally agree. He had uh we talked a little bit about the the conversation he had with his brother when he went there when he finally found him to apologize. And I think well probably the most touching moment was when he said when he you know said please come back. There's a moment there where he shows up at the hotel room door. You see Jack saying please come or please come home. And you don't know you don't know if he's talking to his brother or his wife. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. Which is telling and significant. Yeah. And then also he starts there, right? And you sort of worry, is he going to try to plea to Ace to come home without actually getting into why Ace is there in the first place, right? Because mm-hmm. the whole issue, I mean, previously was he didn't want to fess up about the the Kleenex gambit, right? And he's waiting until the worst possible time when he finally has to reveal it. And here, again, I mean, these guys maybe aren't the best at talking about their feelings. And so there's a, a moment there where I'm thinking he's gone all this way to find Ace and track his brother down and bring his back. But is he still going to be unable to say what needs to be said here? And mm-hmm. finally, he did. But I think he had to work himself up to it, you know, whereas initially it was maybe I can skip the whole heart to heart. Maybe he'll just get in the car and come back with me. But then he realizes, no, we have to have this out now or it's just going to continue to fester. I was going to say the most touching line is maybe when he says this isn't going the way right. I imagined it at all. I don't know the exact words. Actually, I didn't write that one down, but he was, but he, he said, God, I you know, really thought this would, ha- would go differently when he was mm-hmm. begging his brother to come back. And his, and a says, yeah, cause you're not scripting it for a change, yeah. you know, um, which is deep, man. That's really yeah. deep. And then he, <laughs> then he, he goes, he goes on to say that his dad's death really messed him up more than he, would like to admit. And it, it, I should, I should say just, it didn't seem pat, right? It didn't seem like he was pulling this up just because he was trying to win over his brother or because the, you know, writers wanted to write a good scene. It felt mm-hmm. organic in its way. Yeah. Uh, but he, but he says, uh, you and me talking to Ace, you and me are, are trying to survive after finding out that spade men aren't meant to survive. Right. Uh, which yeah. is really, and, and Ace is basically just, torn in half by this he's like that's terrible yeah that you would say that ace has just been a raw nerve since the series started and of course he was in the house when his dad shot himself and he was obviously shattered by that whereas jack whether because he was putting on a brave face for everyone or he just wasn't able to acknowledge his own wound didn't really mourn his dad right if anything seemed indifferent glad he was gone in some ways but clearly that's going to mess you up, right? When something like that happens. So he's kind of been trying to outrun it, trying to suppress it. And here it's finally coming up and he is finally giving voice to it to Ace, but maybe also to himself for the first time, acknowledging just how this has hung over him for the past year or however long it's been. Yeah. So Jack, definitely our MVP. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Main event. What was the, the spotlight of the show? What was, what was the main event of episode three, Discord? I think it's the heart to heart in the hotel room. How many times have we seen the main event be Jack and Ace in the ring, physically tussling here? They're just sitting down quietly talking, at least after the initial greeting. But that was in its own way as wrenching as any of their physical confrontations. So in order to get back in the ring, they had to hash things out outside of the ring, right? And this has been a long time coming, this kind of conversation. They've obviously talked their issues over from time to time. They've come to some kind of accord, but not a lasting one. And perhaps here they have finally built the foundation for an understanding and for not betraying each other and saying things that are going to hurt each other, right? And it's not even just a one-way apology, which was sort of the surprising turn that this conversation took, right? Because Jack apologizes to everything he did to Ace, but then Ace clearly is feeling just as much remorse for how he has treated Jack, what he said to him back in the first episode of the series when they were clenching each other's throats, right? And he's saying, what happened to dad is what's going to happen to you. And because they were both through this together, they both suffered that loss. Ace, I think, knows how much that must have hurt Jack, even if he didn't show it at the time. And so he feels bad about that. And so they're both finally, it's just, you know, cleaning a wound, tearing the bandaid off. Whether this will be enough, who knows, but this had to happen. You know, that sort of measure is an interesting question. Uh, Earlier, right in the scene with his mom, right after the flashback, Jack says something to the effect, if Ace and I uh, ever kill each other, it's going to be partly your fault. Yeah. Right uh, to his to his mom, and just not out of the question. They've come kind of no, close. Yeah, no, but but there's but but this the scene between the two brothers, and I totally agree. This is the main event. It shows Jack grappling with that legacy, right? With 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 the with the inevitability of these two brothers hating each other, um, yeah. and and figuring out how to work through that. I mean, we also see Ace obviously in a, a little bit more uh, graphic way wrestling with his own. Um, demons from his parents when the zombie dad <laughs> comes <laughs> into the hotel room in his dream, um, and that. But but it's worth noting that that you're right. Ace does apologize. Uh, it's you know they they there's a real meeting of the minds. But Ace still isn't coming back at the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the dream sequence and whatever he's just turning over in his head what he was left with after that conversation that he finds himself back on uh, on on Jack's doorstep. Yeah. What do you make of the way they parted here? Because there's no, I love you, man, right? There's no hug. There's no warm embrace. There's sort of this stiff, formal handshake. Jack says, I care about you so very much, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Is that just that there's too much baggage here? Is it just that this is the way they were raised? This is the closest they can come to expressing uninhibited emotion. I think there's some of that. I mean, there's a little bit of a a Deadwoodian sort of Shakespearean Southerness that goes on in some of the dialogue, which I think informs a little bit of that. It's a little bit inscrutable at times, and I think it's deliberately so. But I, you know, they're both stubborn men. They're both men of 
principle very narrowly defined. I think Jack functionally talked himself into a corner when he said, I'm just, I just have a thing to say and I'm going to say it and I'm going to leave, right? Like, I promise I will leave after this. And so we just kind of, they get to a point in the conversation where the conversation would, I think, organically continue, but they sort of cast their lots, right? And then, and then they have to go their second, their, their separate ways. So it's not so much shocking that Ace turned up at the end because that's was sort of the natural conclusion of of the conversation in a lot of ways. They both just sort of had to be, I, say, I used the, the word inevitability before, but the, the, you know, in terms of them coming to blows, there's sort of just an inevitable, a general inevitability to their relationship, right? And so I think that there's a, there's a certain level in which they're just like, okay, we did the thing, you know, we sort of stages of the cross or whatever, like we've, we've checked off these boxes and now we will go be alone so that we will be together <laughs> then in the future. And, right. and it just happened sort of abruptly in this yeah. episode. We've made our amends and then Ace drives off to seek his fortune. Go West, young man, doesn't mm-hmm. get very far because uh, the ghost of, of Tom Spade comes to haunt him. And he basically, you know, it's like a, a little kid who wakes up after a terrible dream and goes to their mom's bed, right? That's basically what happens, except their mom is uh, not the most maternal and turns him away, which granted, maybe it's time to turn him away at this point. Sure. But he then runs back it's to, time to be turned away. Yeah, it's yeah. good for him to be turned away. Yeah, for sure. And he runs back to, to Jack. I think mm-hmm. is what you're going to say. It's, it's true. I mean, maybe there's an element to it where Ace also needed to be free to go right mm-hmm. he he needed to feel like he could drive west forever right um, yeah and and prior to this despite the fact that he was doing it on his own it, it wasn't there was no freedom in it he was reacting and now and finally he was given that freedom from jack who is basically his father now you know is his, his parental figure yeah and then is it sad that in the end he's almost free he almost escapes the orbit of duffy and the dwl and then he comes back, right, just as he's about well, to, you know, I mean, you could say, no, it's it's not bad. It doesn't have to be like King Spade being bitter that he didn't get out. Maybe you can find happiness and affection in Duffy with your family. That doesn't have to be uh, trapped, right? That could be the great outcome. Or it could be, oh, he almost got away. And just when he was out, they pull him back in. It's a tough one because <laughs> this is a TV show and we want them to be together. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it, it, yes, it's like, it's, it's like pro wrestling. It's like, yeah, you know, what's a good example? Like when CM Punk, there was a, there was a, you know, a great instance where CM Punk won the world title and then said, I'm out of here and, mm-hmm. and left. And everybody was just like, they should write him off TV for two years, you know, <laughs> just like let him just, just wander the earth with the belt over his shoulder. Yeah. And just like let give him, him the middle finger to the camera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, they, but they, and they wrote him back in like two days later, you know, they're just like, they made it happen really quickly. And, right. and you know, this probably, the, the, the right move was probably somewhere in between, but at the end of the day, you wanted to see him in the ring with John Cena. It had to happen. And SummerSlam was coming up. So let's book the match, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's tough. It's the same. It's similar thing with Jack and Ace. Is it a big? Is it is it sad that Ace is back? Well, yeah. I mean, maybe that sadness will inform his character arc this season. But yeah, uh, I can't say that I'm sad to see him back. I'm a little bit shocked. I would have liked to get, keep him away a little bit longer. Yeah, I do appreciate the character of Ace, who could be kind of this just cookie cutter, just uh, firebrand, hothead type. But he has this 
sad puppy side to him, right? This just plaintive, just he'll say some things that just stop you in your tracks. I mean, when he says, Jack, I'm not a good guy, farthest thing from it. I do bad shit. I say dumb things. I do dumb things. Hard to argue when he's sitting in the ruins of his motel room that he trashed. I'm talking to you while you're in a hotel room, which looks great, by the way. It doesn't look Mm -hmm. like you've trashed the place. So that's great. But this is, you know, he's like tearing the place apart. And also misreading this uh, potential couple who saved him and he thinks that they're coming on to him. No, they're just trying to do a nice thing for him. But he doesn't know what a nice thing looks like, right? Which is what they say to him. You don't know what being nice looks like. Be better. Maybe he hasn't had the best examples with his parents, although I guess their dad treated him a bit better than he treated Jack. But still... You're in this room where he's embarrassed himself and he's lost control of his emotions. But then sometimes he is wise and profound and perceptive. It's just this mix of like this little kid, this arrested adolescent who is saying no one wanted to be friends with me. They're only friends with me because we were teammates and they had to be right. And it's just this dark night of the soul. But then he will say, hey, I think I know what went wrong with dad, right? He wanted something that he didn't get and it just wore on him and I don't want to be that way, right? So sometimes he will have these epiphanies and will he backslide? Possibly, yeah. But some of the things he says, especially when he's talking about the only thing that keeps him going is that he's worried the afterlife would be worse. I mean, that's a dark thought. I don't know if that qualifies as a a suicidal thought, but it's not far from it, right? He feels like he doesn't have to, he doesn't have anything to live for, except that he's worried that whatever comes after that would be worse. The two brothers obviously just sort of orbit around each other and react to each other. And and that would be the, that's the heart and soul of the show. So in that sense, it's a good thing he's back. But I do wonder if there's an element to this where just in like the pro wrestling sense, both of them were a little bit miscast for the role. You know, there's some people that go on as baby faces for years. They should have been heels the whole time and vice versa. There's an element of Jack that he should have been the quarterback. We can see that in the way that he like runs a locker room now, you know, and there's an element there's a, there is the a bubbling undercurrent of an element with a vase where he should have been the thinker. Like he would have, he should have been the, the deep one, but he was cast in the role of the quarterback. Right. I don't know if that's just going to be the status quo of their that's just the way they they those two personalities sort of play off each other is that's the point or if there is that if that sort of realization is is uh you know waiting in the wings yeah and so at the end of the episodes one big happy family here now Jack and Stacy are still patching things up, so I imagine that it might be a slight complication to have Ace underfoot, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically a second kid you're taking care of. But maybe Jack can have his cake and eat it too here, figuratively speaking, without getting a hiding from his mama again, right? That he can actually be a brother, have Ace be a brother to him, have a happy family under this roof, have the DWL be going well, of course, Can that last? No, because you need some kind of conflict to create drama so that we will keep wanting to watch heels, right? And maybe that is Charlie Gully. It is kind of weird that this resolution with his wife is, uh, I mean, that that whole thing was sort of resolved by accident, right? He had 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 an accidental conversation with his son, which is weird that he wasn't talking to him uh, to begin with. But his son found out that his dad wasn't on a work trip and then also that that his suspension had been lifted. His mom had been keeping both things from him. Is Stacy keeping him out of school for some reason? Why can he not? She she obviously seemed to disagree with, with Jack 
after the meeting last time that maybe there was something deeper going on. I, I don't know. That, that part's very, and again, passage of time. I'm not sure if we're talking about this is the next day or this is, right. you know, yes. two weeks later. Yeah, I'm just wondering because I, I know she's she's at her friend's house and she doesn't want to say why they're not at home, but it seems like he could go back to school. My impression after the meeting was that it didn't go great, but they got what they wanted, that mm-hmm. he was reinstated, right? Also, Thomas seems like the sweetest kid. <laughs> like it, It's tough to imagine him punching people and, and being a problem child when he's still calling Stacy mommy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not getting the like, this kid's going down a dark road vibe from Thomas. No, not yet. But it is it is sort of, I guess, indicative of the entire relationship between Jack and, and Stacy that Ace is the one that gets, you know, Jack in his doorstep saying, please come home. And Stacy mm-hmm. just comes back sort of, you know, by virtue of whatever timing. Um, right. So, yeah. you know, I guess that that's sort of the point. The nice thing is that the cycle is not repeating itself here, right? Like the mom is is sort of a religious zealot in a way, right? Whereas Stacy is also religious, but she's not using it to lash out at people and, and hurt people and talk about people burning in hell. So when we see Thomas talk back to her, Stacy's not going to get the belt, right? So at least the the sins of the father here, I mean, they're clearly still taking a toll on Ace and Jack, but they seem to be good uncle and dad, you know, maybe a bit permissive of the punching. But beyond that, it's not like the the mistakes that uh, Carol and Tom made are are being perpetuated through their kids here. I wonder if we'll revisit that line, that great Stacy line, like you can't talk to me like that and not expect me to get hurt to her son, mm-hmm. right? Which yeah. is a really, it's really poignant if you have children. I mean, it, 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 it's it's what you're feeling, uh, mm-hmm. not always what, what, what parents voice. Um, all right, holy shit moment of this episode. What, 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 <laughs> what, what was your favorite scene in episode three? <laughs> I feel like my favorite scene and my holy shit moment are not necessarily the same because my holy shit moment is zombie King Spade. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I don't know that I can top that. I didn't know that the heels had that arrow in its quiver when it no. came to zombie. Nope. Was that Tom. unintended or no? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I I was not expecting that to happen. Was not expecting King Spades coming out of the bathroom with his uh, a hole in his cheek and his jaw hanging out. So that was definitely the purest holy shit moment of the episode for me because I may have actually said that. <laughs> yeah. I liked, I, I have a hard time with this. Uh, I had so many things because I do agree with that. That was definitely like the holy shit, like jump out of your chair <laughs> yeah. moment. Um, I liked a number of the small pieces of Willie in charge. Uh, and I think probably the one that he did the best was after Eddie gave him the big screen, the big, you know, LED screen monitor for the arena when she kind of had to come in and shut it down. Just like everybody get back to work. I liked that yeah. she came in and did it and everybody was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked that. I liked that everybody was, not exactly in ship shape yet, but willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. She seriously, she she has that sort of gravitas with them. And I liked it when she went to Wild Bill and said, hey, I'm going to need you to be the locker room leader here. He was like, yes, ma'am. Like, let's right. do it. You know? Mm-hmm. While still still tweaking her husband on the video chat a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah. but then moving aside on the couch after the call is over because uh, he's making his his intentions clear. He's he's a new a new Bill. He's turned over a new leaf. Oh, yeah. He's, Bill Bill was great, and especially as a basically a background player. Uh, yeah. You know, a second, you know, as, as a mid-carter in this episode, I thought it just was incredibly, yeah, uh, an incredibly good performance. When will we be adding the Wild Bill Hancock podcast to the Ringer Wrestling Show? Will the Ringer Podcast Network, I mean, 46 streams, including Big Jim, 
he's doing numbers. I'll spin this right into the gimmick. My favorite small thing, the, the, the small thing that made me happy in this episode was the podcast, because obviously it hits very close to home. But I'm, I am, man, sure. I was on the edge of my seat wondering how they're going to keep this going for 45 minutes to an hour every week where you're sort of in character and sort of not. It's a really fine line to walk. I've interviewed enough wrestlers to know it's basically impossible. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how real they decide to get in that. What about you? What, what was your favorite small choice? Gosh, there were a lot of funny moments in this episode. As we've said, it's a funny show. And when you have a heavy episode like this one, I think you need those moments of levity, right? And there were a, a lot of them. I think my favorite little running joke in this episode was the bit about uh, Jim correcting people about everything, particularly as the <laughs> co-host of a Ringer video game podcast, so where he <laughs> set the record straight about Diddy Kong not being in Mario Kart since the Wii edition, which uh, fact check true, that does check out. But the video wall and the conquistadors and the jefe Bill saying, Jim, it appears your life philosophy is to wait till someone says something, then make them feel stupid for saying it. That was good. Just a lot of like Debbie was on one this week. I mean, Debbie, mm -hmm. like per minute, like her usage rate maybe is kind of increasing here belatedly, which is nice. But per minute of screen time or second of screen time, she makes the most of her scenes in this show. So always enjoy Debbie. And then, I mean, even like at the end of the news segment about the pro athletes, you get the little tease for the next segment, an extremely local news tease for red wine, superfood, or super poison. So just a lot of little moments that, you know, just kind of tossed in that make you remember. This is a drama. This is one of the more dramatic episodes. We are exhuming some long, tortured uh, emotions and feelings here. And yet there's time for a few laughs. So appreciate that about Heels Week In and Week Out. Yes, indeed. Um, the angles, the spinning this forward. There's one thing we really didn't talk about in depth, and that was Charlie Gully's proposition to Jack. Hey, you know, everybody online is talking about the fact that we hate each other. Why don't we put mm -hmm. all of our wrestlers in the ring on the same night and make a bunch of money? Um, that's a sort of pro wrestling inevitability. It's another one of the kind of fast forward button moments of this episode because that could have been the whole season. And that may well be the whole season. We might get there in the finale, right? Mm -hmm. But it being introduced so early, I think is, if that is the long-term plan, you know, I'm always grateful when a show or a pro wrestling promotion says the thing out loud that everybody watching is thinking, you know, mm -hmm. and he's filing suit. But as we all know, a lawsuit might just be a mechanism to to get the thing you asked for in the first place, you know. Uh, so uh, that'll be interesting to watch. There's a sort of implicit problem with this idea, which is that we don't know or care about any of the wrestlers uh, for Florida Wrestling Dystopia. Right. Other than Rooster, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's Charlie Gully versus Bill, you know, Wild Bill or something like that. I'm not sure what we really care about here in terms of what happens in the ring. And, and what happens in the ring is what we're going to is going to be a stand in, presumably, mm -hmm. for what we care about. Yeah. What do you think about that? What, what about the other angle spinning forward? Yeah, we anticipated this development. Obviously, Jack is not receptive to it just because he doesn't like Charlie Gully, but also because he kind of has a instinctive, reflexive no, you know, even though he wants to take the DWL to a, a higher level than his dad ever did. 
he always has to be coaxed or cajoled into changing things up or someone just has to seize the mic, right? Crystal takes the mic and catapults herself and Charlie Gully just uh, brings in his whole retinue and, and entourage here, including a lawyer who serves Jack. So that is going to force his hand. But it makes all the sense in the world for these two to use each other to their benefit. That was one of the possible angles we talked about in the first episode. Just is this a symbiotic relationship? What I wonder is, does Jack come to appreciate the wisdom of this, even though he's being forced into it and his back's kind of against the wall here? Does he soon see the potential? Does he embrace it? Or are these two going to be just at each other's throats the entire season? Maybe that helps and maybe that generates even more heat. But I do wonder whether it's going to be I'm doing this under duress because I have to or because, hey, maybe we can actually use each other for our own benefit. Or, you know, maybe he's going to deputize enough other people to work with him that he's going to get outvoted in this mm-hmm. in this process. Right. I mean, everybody's got big ideas. Uh, you know, is he going to be the only one that doesn't think this is a good idea? And where does that lead us? It's going to be it, it, that will be, you know, a trail to follow. I think that's about it. Are there any other big takeaways from this episode that we need to get to? I don't think so. I, again, you know, it it happened much sooner than we thought it would happen. It is kind of true to form, though, that Ace would set out on this dramatic journey and then very quickly turn around after one nightmare. I mean, he's not exactly known for his stick-to-itiveness, I suppose. So Mm -hmm. kind of in character in that sense. Also, side note, has... Eddie Earl been sponsoring the DWL for 30 years at this point. Is that what we're led to believe by that flashback scene at the start of the episode where he agrees to sign on? Do they say Eddie? Is it definitely, it's definitely him and not like his father. Maybe there was a senior. I don't know. Eddie Earl looks great for his, Eddie Earl looks great. He's that old. (laughs) He does. Yeah. Maybe it's a a family affair, but definitely a a faithful sponsor. Makes you think about uh, when Jack stormed out of that meeting last season with him. If this has been a, a three decade long exclusive sponsor, that's got to uh, reward that sort of loyalty, especially with the the video wall, as uh, as Jim says. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot to like on a moment to moment level. I enjoyed this episode very much. Zooming out a little bit, pulling back a bit. There were things I had questions about just with how abruptly things happened. And yet, in a way, it makes me more excited to see what comes next, because uh, There must be a lot of stories still to tell if they used up something so quickly that could have happened over a a period of several episodes. I agree. In the pro wrestling world, when something when, when we have an episode like this, we cross our fingers and say, well, let's just hope that they know where they're going and hope that this was a good, you know, hope that they earned it, you know, whatever. Um, sometimes you do need to get over some stuff. You got to pull some Band-Aids off to get to the match you really want to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm guessing episode four is going to be uh, an entirely an entirely different feeling sort of vibe. But we'll, you know, yes, we'll see. Yeah, they, they can't keep us out of the ring <laughs> for that long. No, they can't keep us out of the ring that long. And and, and I think both literally and, and, and metaphorically, I think that we're going to see a lot of forward motion uh, and, 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 and physicality coming next week. Mm-hmm. We can all hope so. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Ben, well, for Jesse's sake, uh, I refrained from slamming the desk and walking around the room. I wanted to, uh, just emulating my podcast idol, Wild Bill. But like his episode, I hope this was wide-ranging and estranging. <laughs> wide-ranging and estranging, <laughs> indeed. That's all we can all, all aspire to. Thank you, Ben Lindbergh, for doing this with me. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Jesse Lopez. Uh, sorry to ruin episode three for you, but I'm sure you're going to love it. 
Um, And thank you guys all for listening. We'll see you back here next Friday night. 